today's episode of that song from that movie is coming up after this. Do you love movies? Then you love the Movie Chef podcast. Whoa, whoa, what was that? That's my professional podcasting voice for the trailer. Well, you sound very stupid. Okay, well, we need to tell people that we're two movie fans who cook up movie-themed podcasts and... And and special episodes on Sundays. Yeah, as well as movie menus of all our favourite topics. And diving into internet rabbit holes. As well as movie news and trailer reactions every Thursday. And our sexual awakenings about Patrick Swayze. And our sexual awakenings... Wait, what? Listen, just tell them who we are, what we do, and where you can find us. The Movie Chef Podcast, where we make a meal out of movies. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Better? No. Captain Lee Shang has recruited you to join his fledgling army to fight the soon-arriving Hun threat. So let's get down to business to defeat... That song from that movie. What do points make? Prizes? Yay! Yay! I really panicked then. I'll need a new intro because that's all of the Bruce Ross iPhones gone. And thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your legendary Chinese folklore host, Dietrich, and we're joined by a beloved Disney animation, Alex. <laughs> what is the animation? Oh, are you are you just a human as an animated character, or are you some anthropomorphized animal? Well, Dee, you're, you're the one who's uh, bestowing that title upon me. You'll have to tell me. You're like the Mushu of the group. Oh, well, dragon, that's, that's a bit much. That's it, Mark. Thanks. A pocket-sized dragon. <laughs> Heron or something. Heron. <laughs> Thanks. Or a crane, you know. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that you see and you're like, oh look, it's Alex, and then you turn away. That's it. <laughs> if you see a heron in the street. <laughs> oh, look, it's an Alex. It's an Alex. Let's ignore Carry on with your day. You see a dragon, you don't want to be like, oh shit, it's Alex? Whoa, what the hell's going on here? I need a drink. <laughs> and we're also joined by a soulless live action remake, Ben. So your legendary Chinese folklore, Alex yep. is a dragon in cartoon form and i am not even worth mentioning really <laughs> you're just some sort of weird cosplayer at a conference <laughs> wearing an alex costume <laughs> you're in the bloody zodiac seen any films recently um what have i i watched a film called host on shudder yes i know what you've seen and i don't really want to ask you much about it <laughs> <laughs> because i have not seen tenant yet i have seen tenant yes. i know you have Give me one word, one word. (laughs) Thumbs up, thumbs down, yeah, prefer that. Prefer thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a thumbs up in reverse. (laughs) That's so confusing. Have you been back to the cinema since lockdown? I have not, no. I have kept saying, yes, I'm going to go see this thing, and then not. Yeah, I kept doing that until yesterday when I finally saw Tenant. And me and my wife were the only people in the entire cinema who were wearing a mask. Really? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think that's the main reason why we've not gone. <laughs> How full was the actual cinema? Yeah. Thing? It was about, I would say about a quarter full. Although there, were, there did seem to be like a big party of children in the top right corner. Ugh. I was sort of thinking, I don't think you're going to find any enjoyment in this film. Are you sure you're here for this film? 
parents hoping loud noise and banging keeps their child occupied for three and a half hours while they sleep. Well, I will say, the experience I had yesterday was the loudest cinema I've ever heard. Oh, like, really? Every explosion was like, like I could feel it. It'll be utmost. Yeah, it felt like a bit on The Simpsons where it does the THX and was heads exploding. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was worried I was going to leave the cinema with like ringing ears like I'd just, been to a gig. Just a normal cinema or IMAX? Just a normal oh, cinema, like weird. a normal view cinema. Oh, I was going to say, was it X Plus at the showcase? Trying to get some sponsorship, but no. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> Me and Helen watched the last picture show last night. Oh, yeah, great film. Yeah, really good. We're, we're listening to, uh, this is a shout out for another podcast, the Karina Longwood film podcast. And uh, she's doing like a series on Polly Platt at the moment, who's, she's basically, the, she's one of the production designers on that film, but she's sort of like a producer of many famous films. And she was married to Peter Bogdanovich, who's the person who directed Last Picture Show. So yeah, it's okay. really interesting uh, podcast. Oh, wow. But yeah, so like loads of films they did together, like Paper Moon and Last oh, Picture Paper Show. Paper Moon's a great film. Yeah, and she worked on things like Terms of Endearment and stuff as well. So yeah, it's really good. You like the film, though? Yeah, the film was great, I thought. It's one I've never really actually heard of before, really, until this podcast. And then I watched it, and I was like, I'm surprised this hasn't, like... I mean, because it does have, like, critical acclaim, and it was nominated for Best Picture in the year it was out. But it's not not something I've ever really come across before. But yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, so today's episode is pretty much all of the songs from 1998 Walt Disney animated classic Mulan. So to find out what was happening in the world when Mulan came out, over to you, Ben. Yep, so I'll take you back to June 1998, where we were all still hopeful of things to come as wide-eyed children. As for news at the time, the £2 coin in the UK began to circulate. My favourite coin. It is a great <laughs> coin, though, isn't it? Smashing coin. I feel like it? it's my favourite one to have in the wallet. Yeah, yep, Just up your back. Just, you know, just there. A bimetallic design, as it's called. Two parts. Was there any truth to the rumour that if you could get the silver bit out of the gold bit without it breaking it, you got a million pounds. Uh, I highly doubt it. <laughs> Imagine. Like some sort of Willy Wonka test. Yeah, you just have the Royal Mint and like, you lose! Good day, sir! <laughs> Good day, sir! In other news, the DVD format was released onto the UK market for the first time. Yes, really? I remember getting a DVD player at this time. Mm. Getting to watch the uh, DVD logo bouncing from corner to corner. I remember going to Screen, buying all their VHS. Screen, yeah. <laughs> screen. Among the first set of titles released on the DVD was Jumanji. Really? I did. I definitely. I mean, I had done VHS. Did so, D, Did you really have a DVD player at this time? Yes. Must have wow. been. That must have been pricey. Yes, I remember my dad buying it, and we had to import DVDs because you couldn't get any on the market. Really? Time. So we had a Region One version of the original Time Machine. Oh yes, a region, yeah. region one version of oh, is it Excalibur? Is that what it's called? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember talking about it at school, and people look at me like I was an idiot. And I was going, "Is it like a disc? I mean, like what a, a videotape? <laughs> how do you, how do you rewind it? Like, you don't. <laughs> how do you rewind it? More to try and set the scene for the time. David Baddiel and Frank Skinner knocked Bewitched Sailor V off the top of the charts with Free Lions. I mean, two fantastic songs there. <laughs> Yeah, very similar, obviously. A golden era of British music. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, and the other films out at the time, as well as Mulan, just coming out, were The Truman Show and The Ultimate Weapon, starring Hulk Hogan, <laughs> which was just as good of a film as The Truman Show. You you always say that we bring up wrestling, Ben, but come on. You, you I know, I'm doing that. it for you. I'm just trying to be one of the boys. Everyone knows Hulk Hogan. I can't believe that they starred Hulk Hogan in that and not The Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Ultimate Weapon, yeah, I don't know. Or Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey, it probably would have been better. Yeah, well, yes. 
It's going to be worse. <laughs> so yes, let's move on to the film in question at the time, which is Mulan, 1998 animated musical from Walt Disney Pictures based on the Chinese legend of Hua Mulan. The 36th animated feature, but was part of the Renaissance era. And yes, yeah, so in the film, Fa Mulan, as she's called, impersonates a man to take her father's place during general conscription to counter a Hun invasion. Before I go on to some facts and things about the films, what do you guys think? So this one, I've it wasn't one of the ones that we had on VHS. You should have got it on DVD at the same time. I should have got it on DVD, clearly. So it's not one that I actually have seen that often. I've seen it more uh, as an adult, I think, than I did as a child. I think it's a pretty good one. We'll get on to the songs, but the songs are all kind of, I, I think, are some of the better Disney songs, especially as a full okay. soundtrack. Because, I, th- I, I mean, we, we'll like say we're going to talk about it, but I think like most Disney films don't necessarily have a couple of good songs. They usually have one good one and then lots of backup ones, is my opinion of it. Things like Pocahontas, for example. So I, I watched it yesterday with my wife. Oh, great. It's her, it's her favorite Disney film. I sat there whilst she was sort of singing along to every single word, saying every line. <laughs> I'm going, oh, it's, it's pretty good. It's not quite Emperor's New Groove, but it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's not Emperor's New Groove, and it never will be. It's, it's, it is kind of like the opposite side of the coin to Emperor's New Groove, where it's like the main character has to change how they appear and they learn something in the process. There's even a bit with the house on the top of the hill. Yeah, It's, it's all there. <laughs> Can't like say I expected this comparison. I, I wasn't expecting it either until I started saying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it sounded like waffle. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a good film, but I think if it had different songs, I don't think I would think it's a good film. I think the songs elevate it. Okay. All the songs elevate it. Uh, n- no, two of them do. Two of them. I would say at least three of them are pretty decent. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll get on to them. But yes, as like a general summary, I mean, it did well, very well at the box office. I think it was 90 million budget and made 300. So that's pretty decent. I think nowadays, especially looking to the live action Mulan, I expect now that China is such a profitable market, even with all the controversial things around the film, that number will be much increased <laughs> because that is such a booming market. But yeah, it was also quite well received by critics for various aspects of the film. Especially, I think, from the time Disney got a lot of, well, were in a lot of controversy, I think, for a lot of whitewashing of characters. And around this time, I think they tried to make Disney more of a global brand. There was a lot of characters and films based on different places and people from different backgrounds, but often were voiced by white actors and actresses, sung by white actors and actresses. And to be fair, there's still some of that in this, but I think they're starting to make the right movements with this, and they were praised for that. But yes, are people actually aware of, I mean, I... I knew it was based on a real folklore, but did, is anyone actually aware of that? Yeah, I knew I knew that it was, but I, I don't know anything about the original folklore other than this film, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I, I knew it was a folklore, so I don't know how different that is to what we see in the film. I mean, reading up on it, and you know, that's fairly briefly, so like, it's a, it's a Chinese ballad from, I think initially there's like, it's like 4th century, but I think most of it, most of the story comes from the 11th century, and it's actually pretty close. So, more or less, I mean, get rid of the songs and the anthropomorphized animals. But yes, it is about a woman who left? takes <laughs> a woman who takes her father's place in the army. I think she served for 12 years in the original folklore, then just sort of retires to her home village and, you know, kind of lives out her life. So a lot more muted than the film. Apparently there was a re-release. You know, they even loved re-release in the 17th century in China. <laughs> but that changed the ending. So the acting Khan discover Mulan's identity 
the Khan invites her to be one of his concubine, and rather than doing so, she commits suicide. So a nice, much more cheerful ending. I'm a fan of the original. <laughs> yeah, always fan of the original. Re-releases just never seem to capture the same spirit. <laughs> and yes, there was no dragon in the original story. But Disney need merchandise, so they <laughs> added Mushu, voiced by Eddie Murphy. He's a noble steed. He loves to giving, lending his voice to things, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe this was a precursor. To, well, it, I mean, it obviously was literally a precursor to Donkey and Shrek, but maybe this is why he got that role. Yeah, maybe. Sassy, sassy, sassy animal. <laughs> he, he was staying up late, swapping, pretending to be in manly stories, and in the morning, <laughs> making waffles. <laughs> Apparently, the writers at the time, they were fine with the idea of a dragon and fitting in only, but they, they were really wanted it to be very much, you know, a, quite a true piece to the original story. But Michael Eisner wanted more animals, and so they added in a cricket, which apparently yeah. the writing, the writing uh, table just hated, because apparently Michael Eisner just kept asking during like, the scenes, but what would the cricket be doing at this point? So what's the cricket <laughs> say about this? <laughs> and apparently that's just really, they were like, oh, enough with the effing cricket. But Michael Eisner just wanted to always know, like, you know, this really emotional, heartfelt scene. Just come across this, you know, burnt down village. What's what's the cricket doing? How's the cricket reacting to this? (laughs) Why would Michael Eisner want a cricket in the movie when Disney already have a legendary cricket character? Yeah, Jiminy Cricket. I was thinking that same thing. Why not pick a different animal? I know, there's plenty. There's there's blooming Zodiac, plenty to pick on. I have no idea. (laughs) Maybe he just wanted to recreate Jiminy, I don't know. Maybe just wanted Jiminy Cricket in the film. Because Mulan's trying to be a real boy. (laughs) (laughs) It all makes sense, doesn't it? We'll move on to the songs, because we've got a few to cover, and we'll go through them chronologically. So starting with the first song, Honour to Us All. So, Honour to Us All is a song written by composer Matthew Wilder and lyricist David Zippel, who did most of the soundtrack. And it is recorded by singers Beth Fowler, Marnie Nixon, and Leia Salonga. All those Chinese names there. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) That's where we'll go on to this. So the latter of two, so Manny Nixon and Leia Salonga are the two who provide the singing voices of Grandmother Far and Far Mulan. And the song is a sort of character number, which is, I think, quite common for a lot of Disney films as tries to set the, the setting, the culture, what's going on. A lot of exposition. So it's performed by several older Chinese women and female members of Mulan's family as they prepare Mulan to be evaluated by the matchmaker in the scene towards the beginning of the film. Generally, what do you guys think of this song? Do you, do you remember this song? You might have listened to it back, obviously, for this and D. You watched the film. Did you remember this song? I had forgotten this song existed. I thought, weirdly, this is a good song, but only through the lens of I know how the film ends, so it, it comes across a bit more ironic, almost. Yes. So I don't know if the song would land if I had seen this movie blind and didn't know anything about the tale of Farmer One. Mm-hmm. I know, I know what you mean, and yeah, I'll kind of get onto that because yeah, it's quite interesting. Alex, what about you? I, d- I mean, I didn't remember this song. I just listened to it in the last day or so. It's very similar to this song at the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, I think. Yes, Belle, is it? Yeah, the one where Belle sort of singing in the small provincial town or, or whatever it's called. And I think it's kind of it's kind of a number they always try and get into the Disney films. I mean, because there's only there's only four lyrical songs in this entire film, isn't there? But they always try and get this sort of setting the place and what mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. role, the duty, the role of that character is supposed to be. You even get it in like more modern ones, like uh, Moana. I, th- I think is a good example where it's a very similar song at the beginning yep, of Moana. Tangled as well, the same. Yeah, Tangled. So I think it's just it's it's just that classic Disney song that they always try to throw in in the beginning. Alex, you said three songs at the start. Is this one of them? No. <laughs> it's not. Okay, so we've ruled this one out. So we know which the next three are. 
a lot of the production team went on a long sort of trip around China to sort of be influenced. And there's a lot of sort of East Asian influence instrument- instrumentation in the song, more so probably than the other songs in the film, like the use of pentatonic scales and Chinese flutes. And you can kind of hear it when you listen, it, listen to it back. And there's a lot of referencing to like traditional Chinese customs, you know, praying to your ancestors and things like this. But yes, going back to your point, D, there's a lot, I say a lot of critics. There were critics at the time that felt like it's the song is obviously setting a scene and not necessarily ironic, but it's that showing what common custom is and that there is a lot of skewed gender roles, especially yeah. compared to modern day. But there was a, a fear that children wouldn't get that it's kind of setting it up for the conflict to come and that it's, you know, in itself, it might be seen as a being a bit on the nose. There's lines, something about like having a good waist and things like this for your husband cooking, you know, being a good cook, things like this. Yeah. If you just listen to the song without the visuals, I can definitely see where they're coming from. And I assume a critic would probably just be given a CD or a cassette, I suppose, at the time. But I think mixed with Mulan's reluctance on screen with the song, I think it does get the story across to younger mm-hmm. viewers. Yeah, I agree. You have to view the song in the context of the narrative of the film. Yes. And, and the story doesn't work unless you set up that story world at the beginning to for her to rebellion or for the, you know to create conflict in the character yeah. and it doesn't work without it doesn't work without it really so i think like maybe it is a bit on the nose but at the same time i think it's necessary leaving to join the army isn't significant if it if it's not set up at the beginning of the film yes i completely agree marnie nixon who was one of the names who is the voice of grandmother far she's what they call a ghost singer which is a cracking job title <laughs> but yeah there was a lot of criticism because she is i think a mid 50s white woman and she has often been picked on to do sort of voices for, I think she did a, a Puerto Rican singer in uh, West Side Story. She does like British singing My Fair Lady. And there's a lot of criticism like American production or Disney just want singing to be a certain way in a certain style. You can take influences from other countries, but you, you want the voice to sound familiar. And even Leah Salonga, who is a Tony Award winning singer. Yeah, she's, she's like quite a big uh, Broadway yeah, star. Huge. Yeah, she was the first leading role in Miss Saigon. I think she played Fantine in Les Mis. But yeah, I mean, she's Filipino. She's not Chinese. So I think it's whether that's thing of like, they're trying to get some sort of like, you know, they're not American, so that's good enough. It's very sort of difficult to comment on. Do we have to uh, preface this by saying we're three white men? Also, yes, true. Yeah, so we're part of the problem. <laughs> not this exact problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not this exact. We're not trying to sing. I've not been auditioning for roles in the new Mulan film. But you would take one. I mean, I mean, I am a ghost singer, but yeah, no one's <laughs> <laughs> But I think, like I say, Disney, they're doing much better. Like, you look at Mo- Moana recently. It was a, a cast that was kind of littered with, like, Polynesian actors and performers, which is great. And yeah, I think it's just very much harder to get away with these things nowadays. Yeah, I think looking back in hindsight it was a shame, but it was it's something that I suppose they're rectifying in a way now, yeah, like you say. So Praise the progression, that's what we can say. For simplicity's sake, and just to help us out for later on, if you had to rate this song out of 10 before we move on, what would you give it? Just the song. So I can't include the visuals on screen? Uh, I mean, you can, you can, I mean, you suppose you can, yes. Movie. I mean, it's, it depends if, you, if it kind of triggers that in you, but yes, just focusing on the song. Dietrich, you go first. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. I'd probably, if I was just listening to it on its own, I'd give it maybe like a 5. But I understand its necessity in moving the story along. 
or yeah. setting the world that the story exists in. And and I understand why Disney always put this kind of song at the beginning of the film. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're attempting to make it like this big number that everyone's going to remember as such. Or maybe they are. Maybe it didn't succeed in this case. I don't know. Because I think the one in Beauty and the Beast, which is why I mentioned, and the one in Moana, are both really good examples of when they've been successful. Yeah, I think they're better examples. Yeah. And more likely to find them on a sort of Disney compilation album than this one. Yeah. But yes, speaking of sort of big, booming songs, we'll move on to the next song, which is Reflection. Reflection is a song performed by Tony Award singer Leah Salonga in the film, who voiced the singing voice of Mulan, which the acting voice was by Ming-Na Wen. The song is performed when Mulan returns from home after attempting to impress the matchmaker, and she expresses her desire to show the world who she really is. Before we even say it, this is obviously those... This is intended to be the booming ballad of the film, as Disney always usually tries to bring one out. What do people think of this song? Because it's quite interesting, two days ago, so on the 28th of August from when we're recording, this song was re-released for the new Mulan movie, the single version by someone we will go on to talk about. I think it's... So I watched the see the clip from the film where this song features, and it's not particularly long, especially because obviously you compare it to ones of the similar time, and the one I'm thinking of is Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, which gets like a full, like, almost music video length scene in the middle of the film, and is far superior to this one, <laughs> in my opinion. It's almost like a homage to this type of song that features in a Disney film in that it's... It only gets that small bit in the film, and it's just not. It doesn't quite reach those levels. But I don't think it's a bad song. I think it's pretty good, and it is the one other than the other one which we're going to talk about, which um, came straight to my head. Like I remembered the song. Maybe that's more because it came out of a time when you know we were alive and we were of a decent, like you know, <laughs> seven or eight or whatever. So I remember seeing it like um, around and here and here around. But yeah, I think the time it was allotted in the film, I think, was significant to me because I feel like they didn't believe in it as much maybe i don't know okay yeah interesting i on the other hand think that the fact that in the movie it's not very long it's not over the top it's not overproduced i think actually goes for it it allows it to be a very personal moment without it well it's still being a disney princess iconic song let's say whatever that term is it's not booming like let it go or something like that Hmm. i think it's in keeping with the film at that stage i think it works very well yeah, it's true. I, that, that, I do consider that. It's reflective. I mean, you say it's not booming, but going on to that, it was released as a single by the famous American singer Christina Aguilera, which was her debut single at age 17, which I did not know. I was going to say, was she famous at the time? Nope. No, I don't think first she was. Yeah. Single. first single. She was in the Mickey Mouse Club or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was that, yes. Her version has, I think, a extra verse or two. It's a bit longer. Yeah, it's definitely longer. Yeah. Have you heard the Christina Aguilera version? Yes. That's the version, actually, weirdly, that I remember more. I remember it more as her version as I did than I do in the film. Which I think is interesting because I know they still do it now, where like a pop star will release the version of the song. Like I think like there's an example of like Demi Lovato doing like the song from Moana or Lego yes. or something. Yeah. But those versions are just kind of lesser to the soundtrack version. Whereas mm-hmm. I think with this the Christina Aguilera version is the version that I sort of remember. I don't know if it's the same for you, Dee, but... I did not remember that Christina Aguilera had recorded a version of this song. Yeah, so the complete opposite. <laughs> I haven't listened to the new version, in fairness, so it might be better, but I just don't think this version quite has the, the soul that the one in the movie has. Yeah, watch the new version. <laughs> it's definitely cranked up to 11. <laughs> yeah. 
but to be fair, the old one is. Have you seen the video for Christina Aguilera just walking around, sort of like a like a, a gem- like a Chinese garden yeah. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just she looks uncomfortable as as anything. The cuts keep turning. She, she's almost getting whiplash. She's having to turn her head that much. <laughs> um, but yes, the release of the song was limited, so it didn't do well in the charts. I think it was in the adult contemporary charts, which I'm not really too familiar with what that is in America. It was very much believed that her performance and connections through the song got her her first album deal with RCA Records. Apparently, there's a very high note in the song. I've listened to it back, and I don't particularly know which one it is. But apparently Christina Aguilera practiced for weeks singing Whitney Houston songs to try and reach this note, which I think she is quite known as being someone that has a very extensive vocal range. And she called it herself the note that changed my life, which led to the album Genie in a Bottle. That's a better song. (laughs) Not in the film, for some reason. It's in Aladdin, though. Could have been Aladdin, yeah, could have been In the remake of Aladdin. Her version, I don't know why it's the version that I remember. Maybe it's because of some, like, it's not in the film a lot, and actually I hadn't really seen the film very often. It's not like the other ones that we had on VHS, which we watched, like, three times a week or whatever. So I think maybe that's why that's the version that comes to mind. But I do agree that the film film version is better. Yeah. Okay, ratings. Dietrich. 7.89. I'm going to go a solid 7. Okay, now on to the song we have all been waiting for. I'll Make a Man Out of You, performed by American singer Donny Osmond, who was the singing voice of Captain Lee Shang, with contributions from the rest of the cast. The song is performed during a rigorous training montage in which his young, inexperienced soldiers, including Mulan, attempt to justify their worth. Now, it doesn't need to be said that this is obviously the best song in the film. Correct. (laughs) Just correct, yeah. Alex, what do you think of the song? It's the best song in the film. <laughs> Great. Add a bit more, please. It's a podcast. Because like you said, the, the Reflections is the song that you should really be coming away from the film thinking that's the, that's the main song. But but weirdly, it's always this one that you come back with because it's just such an anthem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it is about it. But it's just, it just I don't know, it just gets you pumped up. I can see people listen to it before they go out like to uh, play a big sporting event or I don't know. <laughs> 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 Dietrich it's the best song in the film yep. echo chamber yes thank you Yeah, so it, it shouldn't be because it's supposed to be reflections but this song just it, it steals the film it might, it, it might even be better than the actual full film it's that good of a song I actually think it is better than the full film uh, that is the power of Donny Osmond yeah it is an incredible incredible song I think it's the only song that seems to find itself onto top Disney lists Unfortunately, it's usually near the bottom. I know there is a lot of Disney classics, and yet it never really falls into the classic category. But like, I've seen a few lists from like Empire Magazine, Total Film, and it would always be like 29 out of 30, 30, you know, 30th position out of 30. Where does it stand in that sort of pantheon? I think it's one of the best. I think it's, I, I'm, I'm hoping you guys can think of something better, because I've, I've thought this and then I can't think of anything better. I think it's the coolest Disney song from like a, <laughs> an animated Disney song. I can't think of a cooler song. Mm. Like maybe you welcome from Moana, but that's not. It's that's a little bit tongue in cheek. This one just feels cool. Everybody wants to be a cat. Everybody wants to be a cat. cat. Was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, they just want to be the Abraham DeLacy. Rubber bum bum boom. But yes, it is yeah. very cool. It is very cool. Yeah, or maybe uh, the one from. Uh, 
a man man like what's it called? Man like you, man like me from Jungle Book. Don't necessarily know it, so it already falls off the comparison. <laughs> you do the one that the I know which one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this song was a replacement song. Apparently, for I mean, you say it's a what? replacement song. Listen, but listen to what it's a replacement for. It's a replacement for the song "We'll Make a Man Out of You," which was by <laughs> composer and songwriter Stephen Schwartz, who was the original composer for the soundtrack. He left to do what I personally think is a better film, "The Prince of Egypt." I mean. <laughs> Oh, that also has an epic song. He wrote two songs for this soundtrack. This song, well, he wrote We'll Make a Man Out of You, and he wrote a song, China Doll, which became the first song. <laughs> Isn't that a song by David Bowie? Is that China? <laughs> no. So, yeah, I, I mean, when you say a song's a replacement and you've replaced it, We'll Make a Man Out of You to I'll Make a Man Out of You, are you really replacing it, or have you just taken his notes and crossed them out a little bit? <laughs> I need to hear that version. If we'll make a man out of you, it sounds anything like I'll make a man out of you, then he deserves credit. But if it's not even a smidge within the reach of this song, then it's terrible and it's, it should have gone. Yeah, I have no idea. Apparently Disney said, he said he wanted to do Prince of Egypt. Stephen Schwartz, he wanted to do Prince of Egypt and Mulan. And Disney was like, no, pick one. So he picked Prince of Egypt. Is, it, is, Chris, is Prince of Egypt, is that, is that DreamWorks or something? DreamWorks, yes. What do people think of... The legend that is Donny Osmond as this voice. Is this literally his only contribution to the film? Uh, yes. And what uh, a contribution. And what a contribution, yeah. I feel like he should be he should be brought back for every film if this is the kind of work he's going to produce. <laughs> well, funnily enough you say that, he actually auditioned for the singing voice of Hercules before this film, but he was considered his voice was considered too old. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he's a much younger voice. <laughs> yeah. Disney have a history of saying that somebody's too old and then picking somebody older. What, like uh, Idina Menzel, who's like at least 30 years older than Elsa's supposed to be? <laughs> or like in Empress New Groove, where they went, Sting's too old and got Tom Jones in. <laughs> <laughs> it is also on other lists, not just because of its musical talent, but Empire Magazine put this on their list of most awesome training montages in cinema history. I mean, personally, I think that's made by the song because it's fine. Yeah. But the song is just incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's literally just because of the song. There's no other reason why it should be in there. Did we not mention this one in the Rocky episode? I don't think we did. I don't probably know, because that's, that's the travesty. montage itself. We've let ourselves down there. Yeah, probably because <laughs> the travel because the montage is it's not the song. But the, just the chorus of the Be a Man is just amazing. The, the sort of the at the end of the song. It's incredible. I just love the part about the uh, the great typhoon in the dark side of the moon. The lyrics are fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What comparisons to make? That would inspire me. I mean, it would inspire anyone, this song. It'd make a man out of anyone, if that is indeed something that people would like to do. <laughs> now, see what you think about this. TV Guide magazine said this song was the film's weak link. <laughs> TV Guide's the weak link. Who works for them? Have they no seen idea. the film? Have they actually seen the film? Stephen Schwartz, maybe? <laughs> Stephen Schwartz. That's just nonsense. I'm sorry. It's just, that's literally nonsense. I just can't, I can't fathom like, how anyone would think that way. No, I can see. I can see you preferring something else, but the the weak link of the entire film—it's just wrong, isn't it? Like, you know, usually you have opinions which you know you can see you still have merit, but this just like it's just factually wrong. Yeah, yeah. Even the cricket, <laughs> the cricket was there. He was part. <laughs> but what did the cricket think? <laughs> he wanted to become a man by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My final fun fact, apparently Daisy Ridley would listen to this song to get pumped before Star Wars scenes. There you go. Ray uses a staff just like Farmer Land does in this training montage that all adds up. Yes. 
So what do you think? Give it some ratings. I think it's got to be in the heights. I think you've got, you've got to be looking at 9+. plus. <laughs> Yeah, it's nine plus for me as well. I don't think I can give it a ten. I don't think I can give it a ten. It's nine plus. So what is what is a ten? What is the ten? What is the market for a ten in a Disney film? If if we're looking at Disney songs, ooh. I mean, Colors of the Wind, I would put up there. It is pretty, no. pretty great. No, Circle of Life for me. Circle of Life. Circle, circle of, life. of Life. Oh yeah, Circle of Life. Yeah, but I probably should be up there too. See, you can't argue it. You want to think of something cool, but it is Circle of Life. Moving on. Mm. <laughs> no more answers are right. <laughs> can take them one our ratings unfortunately from my perspective we are moving on to a song that is just a big old flat after I'll make a man of you so the final song really the final lyrical song that we're discussing is a girl worth fighting for so the song is performed by Harvey Firestein yes Firestein Harvey Firestein Jerry Tondo and James Hong with smaller parts from the rest of the singing cast and it kind of acts as the film's comedic song there's usually always one and the song appears when the members of the army are pondering what sort of woman they will marry after their service is complete, and is written sort of in the tempo of like a walking march. Yeah, what do you guys think of this song? I'm assuming Alex likes this song, otherwise his argument has been blown out of the water. <laughs> I do like the song. I did, I did like the song. Uh, first of all, I mean, the performance from Harvey Feierstein. I mean, that voice <laughs> on a song is just amazing. <laughs> it's like, it's dogs like this. I don't know how he can actually sing. He must have yeah. such a sore throat after David! I mean, if you could call what he does in the song scene, I suppose. It's a stretch, isn't it? The charm of this song is not necessarily that it's is, is the content of the song. It's the juxtaposition to the following scene, I think. Yes, yes. Because I immediately after... In fact, it cuts the song short. They arrive at the the village that they're going to, and it's been completely burned down, and it's like a complete horror show. There are serious elements to this film that may be missing from early... I mean, I think the 90s ones generally did have this element of trying to reflect certain things. Nice. (laughs) You know, reflecting sort of darkness in in people, and I think, like, you know, Pocahontas is a good example of that, which was just before this one, I think, wasn't it? I think it might have been the one before this. I think it was Hercules before. Oh, sorry, Hercules, yeah. And I think like this song does it well because it has that sort of jokey middle of the film song where it's like, oh yeah, we're having a good laugh. And then it sort of immediately cuts it off short. And I, I quite liked that. And I think the song as well, like there are some bad bits about it. Like obviously the visions that these men have of women are just completely unreal, you know, ridiculous and unrealistic. I think maybe there is that kind of tone in the film. There was a few sort of feminist critiques of this film that weren't overly glowing. And I can kind of see in this song the things that maybe they're discussing. But at the same time, I kind of, I like that it has that sort of, it's obviously reflecting, again to use the word, but reflecting more modern times of war, like uh, World War One, uh, Vietnam War, where the these soldiers sort of had pictures of their wives or girlfriends in, in like uh, lockets and things like that, or on like a scrap of paper. And sort of, it's it's what helps them endure these horrific situations that they've been drafted into. And I think that that is the undertone of this scene because it's something that maybe is forgotten because it's not taken that seriously because it's a Disney film but they are like drafted or conscripted into this war and just this fantasy is what gets them through I suppose. So I think there are tones to this song that are maybe more subtle than it initially appears. So that's why I kind of liked it. Yeah I think that's a great point. Obviously I'm assuming this song is supposed to be the reflection of the first song. Yeah. A lot of the things that they want in women like making rice with chicken beef and and whatever they think i'm pretty sure that, yeah and pork i'm pretty sure they mentioned cooking rice dishes in honor to us all at the beginning so i think it's supposed to be the response to that but we've already been through the journey of mulan's choice and then 
does it matter that Mulan's a woman in terms of the audience? And then suddenly we're back to this sort of, oh, well, what are women good for other than cooking? Yeah, I think I think it's maybe a bit of... So she doesn't fit in in this sort of female world that she's been placed into, and now she's gone into this male world, she doesn't quite fit in there either. I think it does perfectly show the opposite... Well, the same side of the coin of the, of the first song. Because I, I think there's a lot of reviews out there that sort of say, well, she needs to become a man in order to succeed or to, you know, to, to do what she sets out to do. But actually, I think this shows that she doesn't because she doesn't go, she doesn't become what they are. Yeah. I don't think it's an amazing song, but I think I think there's maybe good intentions behind it in terms of the story or setting the world, up. maybe. Yes. It's like a really jolly song. I mean, it's a stupid song, isn't it, really, ultimately? Mm-hmm. But it sort of does set up that next bit quite nicely. Yeah, the abrupt ending of the song saves it, I think. In the film, I think the song works great for that contrast with the following scene, which, yeah, is quite harrowing. But on a soundtrack, and I think this is probably why this song, you never see it on any Disney soundtracks, it doesn't work because of that abrupt ending. As a song, I mean, it's very hard to rate this then, but I'm interested just to see what Alex does. <laughs> well, I, I mean, if we're going into the rating, I wouldn't rate it highly because I don't think as a song it does, it is pretty good. I think it... It works in the same way the first song works. That it's it's purely there as a as a storytelling device. I would probably give it the same sort of rain or five or a six. I think I think it's okay, but yeah, I think it I think it's more useful in terms of story than it is in terms of it being a song. And and to be honest, I think the Donny Osmond one is intended for that, but they just nailed it. Whereas these two <laughs> yes, just kind yeah, of yeah. they didn't, and that's that's fine as well. Yeah, six out of ten. Same as Honor to Us All. Mm-hmm. As Alex put himself, it's it's the same side of the same coin, so it deserves the same rating. <laughs> so yes, just because of the sort of the devastation that is follows this scene, and I don't want to make light-hearted of that, but do you know Mulan? <laughs> and she's not a Disney princess because she's technically not a princess, but Mulan has the highest kill count of any Disney princess. Oh my god, is the list going to be <laughs> the kill counts of Disney princesses? <laughs> Unfortunately, there's, they're not very high in general. Most of them are zero. But I did look, and there has been... Some people have worked out what are the highest total deaths in Disney films. Oh, so I want to know what is top five. And in Disney, they count anthropomorphized animals in this death count. It's not just humans. Oh, so any Disney film? We're not talking like Avengers and stuff. No, just oh, no, like just Disney fiction. animated films. Disney animated right. films. This has been calculated, apparently. I have no idea how, but there's a lot of statistics. So the top five highest kill counts in Disney films. Go. When Mickey the Sorcerer chops up all the brooms, <laughs> do they count as individual deaths? I don't think they'll count. Probably, I mean, <laughs> they're anthropomorphized wood, so I don't think it will count as a life. And I'm saying that because it's not in this list. Is it Dumbo because it kills the heart of every single person watching it because it's so sad? Clever, but no. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nope. I mean, apparently there's, four, there's 47 deaths in Hunchback of Notre Dame. But it's not in the top five. But it's not in the top it's five? It's not in the top five, no. No, the, the number one is in the hundreds of thousands. Give you a clue. What are we talking about? Mulan? Is it Mulan? Mulan's number five with 1,468. There is an avalanche in there. <laughs> So Mulan, a fil- a Disney film, and probably the only one I can think of that has an actual war in it, or a proper war. <laughs> uh, I don't know, apparently, fifth- apparently, okay, system. number one, they've categorised these, number one is ecological disaster, number two is natural disaster, number three is man-made conflict, number four is ecological disaster. Ecological disaster. <laughs> I know, I know. They're all in the sort of 90s, early noughties. Lilo and Stitch? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) 
<laughs> Clearly you don't know your Disney films. Bolt. Bolt is not on there either. Chicken Little. Brother Bear. Hercules. <laughs> Hercules is in there apparently with 20,000. Home on the Range. Home on the Range. No. Right, I'm gonna. you guys are just naff at this. We are, yeah. I'm gonna but go I'm for feeling the like these are not proper Disney films. Well, what, how are they King. not Disney films? The Lion King is on there as well. Ecological Disaster. The Lion King is on there? Yes. Lion Do you King want me to too. give you the, the description of what the thing is? How is the Lion okay, King listen, on listen there? To this. It has okay, like first, one first it says King Mufasa is thrown off a ledge into a stampede yeah. of wildebeest. Scar falls into a pit of fire at the end. Two. Two. <laughs> and it gets a bit, it gets, starts to go a bit weird. <laughs> then it gets right. a bit murky because it doesn't happen. Well, there's an elephant graveyard. Does that account for like 10,000? A zebra and two hyenas are killed casually by Scar in preparation for his evil plan. Five. The remaining. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I can't even finish this. The remaining 1,655 deaths come from an ecological ta- catastrophe when Scar introduces 137 hyenas into a new ecosystem with little to no natural predators, and this continues for five years as Simba ages to adulthood. This is nonsense. <laughs> Where this is? <laughs> that is just that is utter number nonsense. three. Hercules, twenty thousand. Number two. Atlantis, the Lost Empire, and number one. <laughs> dinosaur. <laughs> Because of course, the yeah. meteor comes down. What even what uh, even film is that? Dinosaur. It's very interesting looking. Apparently, the description of dinosaur: every lemur on Lima Island dies after a meteor strike, except for one family. The total carrying capacity of Madagascar, the only island in the world to support a lemur population, is the same number. Ergo, three hundred and seven thousand one hundred and forty-three deaths. Oh, these are not confirmed. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> There's apparently there's 17 deaths in Chicken Little. <laughs> Do you like cracked eggs? I don't know. Apparently a water tower <laughs> breaks in the beginning of the movie and crushes through a movie theatre, crushing 17 unnamed characters. Mm. You see, those are confirmed. I feel like those are more confirmed. The, the, the potential genocide of lions. <laughs> it's good enough for me. Do we need to give a brief mention to Stevie Wonder's song? What, in the credits? Yeah, yeah. there's like no... And 90, is it 98 degrees? What are they 98 called? 98 degrees, yeah. 98 degrees. There's no notes on it. The song was terrible. I chose not to discuss it. Yeah, when it came on, when we, like, what is this? It's not even... It doesn't sound like it's from Mulan. It's, it's no. awful. And there is a <sighs> video for it, but I chose to miss it. So thank you for joining us today. So it was a little bit of a different one doing four songs from a film. Let us know if you liked it and how you would improve it because we always listen to constructive feedback. Right, guys? No. So if you want to help the podcast out, you can do that by sharing this on the Ming Now When subreddit. <laughs> yep. Who I didn't realise until yesterday was the voice of Mulan. I thought she was only famous for being on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that her? Yeah, it's Agent May. So I saw that recently she got entered into like the Disney Hall of Fame, and I thought, just for doing Agent May? <laughs> <laughs> really? So all that's left now is to do a few goodbyes. So actually, no, you can also follow us on Twitter. I forgot to do that bit. Alex, what is our Twitter handle? TSFTMPod. Ben, what is our Twitter handle? TSFTMPod. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. Goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Alex. The flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare and beautiful of all. Beautiful. And goodbye from Ben. There are 83 deaths in Brother Bear. <laughs> so, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.
Do we want to talk about Mulan 2? Has anyone seen that? I have not, no. no. Tulan. <laughs> Why didn't he call it Tulan? 